Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Alvis. Sarah is the internal communications manager at Rev, a tech company based in Austin and San Francisco. In our conversation, you'll hear Sarah's passion for creating environments where employees feel in the loop and connected, how internal communications practitioners can best balance supporting executives while still being a central voice in the company, and how Rev leverages channels like Slack. Sarah, thanks again for being here. For those that aren't familiar, what is Rev.com? Rev was founded about 10 years ago, and the goal was to create a marketplace of skilled freelancers, but they found a foothold in speech-to-text. So right now, Rev is the number one speech-to-text service in the world. We like to say that our AI, it's powered by robots, but perfected by people. And just for example, businesses and individuals use Rev and the services that we provide for reliable captioning, transcripts, things like that. When we connected before, you shared with me that one of the joys and creative challenges of being in internal communications is, quote, being the voice of the company. Rev.com is founder-led, and frequently startups take on the personality of their founders. They remain front and center. What's the balance between supporting founders and other executives and also being this voice of the company? Are there any best practices that you've developed? Yeah, so while I am not new to startup culture, I am new to Rev. I'm about two, two and a half months into my role here as internal comms manager. And when it comes to best practices, like I wish that there was a list that I could just spout off. The really the best practice that I've found in other roles and is definitely proving to be helpful here is relationship building. I just, I mean, like, I truly, I can't stress that enough. I spend um, very specific time with EAs, the people team, IT, and employees that have been with the company for quite some time. I like to call them legacy employees. They've usually been with the company for maybe since the founding of it, or even like soon after. And they're just a wealth of knowledge in terms of what that voice is. So taking in all this information is what really helps to flesh that out. It just internally for me as a, as a writer and something that I definitely want to, to bring up is that the voice of the company, I don't see it ever as a replacement to the founder's voice when it's done well, I feel like it reinforces his or her messaging. It creates alignment. um, It clarifies their vision it's not meant to take the place of it. I um, I also like to remind myself that like when things get really stressful, that we're all just human. <laughs> Communication is hard and it's worth doing well, but you know, there's only so much that you can, you can control. Something else that I like to look for is whether the founder or any of the members of the leadership team, if they have a sounding board. Um, Sometimes most of, I think that most of the time, because companies that are founder led, they have that entrepreneurial spirit. They're always working through something. And so if they don't have a sounding board to process, like what they're thinking, what they're feeling that can um, hinder the communication that then needs to come later. So sometimes that's not even That person doesn't even have to be me, but if I can be in good connection with whoever that is, just to understand the intention behind what needs to be communicated, that's super helpful. 
part of the trick in internal communications, and you just touched on this a little bit, is helping employees feel informed and engaged. Feeling informed feels like a communications motion. Feeling engaged feels almost like a cultural motion. What's the formula to this? Because communicating information isn't always the same as having employees feel like they're connected. Yeah, I mean, you're right. So being informed is not the same thing as being engaged, but I do think that it's hard to feel engaged if you're not informed. It's almost like what comes first, the chicken or the egg kind of deal. If you have solid pathways for information to be dispersed, whether that's a newsletter, it's an intranet, it's Slack, um, then you can always refine the kind of content that's being shared through those channels. And then you can determine how employees are engaging with it. You know, that can be done via polling, uh, quick pulse surveys, like that kind of thing. If you don't have solid pathways for information to be shared out, that's step one for me. The infrastructure is the most important thing um, before you can gauge engagement. Um, That's actually where we're at right now within Rev. There's a lot of things that we're building to get more information out in more concise, easily accessible kind of way. And then my hope is that once some of those things are in place, then we can go through and start to learn from the people that are accessing the information. Something else that I definitely want to touch on is that I believe that engagement is a two-way street. You know, a company has a role to play in terms of making an environment as engaging as possible. But at the end of the day, it's also up to the employee. They have ownership of their engagement as well. We always need the employee to let us know how things are going, whether things are going well or not well. What we can do is make sure that there's good avenues for them to share that information. And that's where I think that the engagement piece comes into play. So are are there some content strategies or programming strategies that have worked to bridge this information and the engagement that you're talking about? Can you point to an example that's worked and maybe one where there's an opportunity for more success in the future? Totally. Um, So prior to joining Rev, I worked at Magnolia in Waco, Texas. So if you're familiar with Fixer Upper or Chip and Joanna Gaines, that is the Magnolia that I'm talking about. And so working in internal comms there, I have two specific examples. The example that I feel like things went well was during my time there, we rolled out a brand new um, set of values and refined our mission. And that touched so many aspects of the business. And it was a lot, there was a lot of planning that went on behind the scenes um, to make that successful. And then there was a lot of training and teaching that happened as a result of that plan. And we were able to um, reference that we were able to reference that specifically in one of our engagement surveys and ask people if they felt like they had a good understanding of the new values and basically just gauge comprehension and understanding. And we got really high scores on that. And I, it's hard to, it's hard to know what exactly attributed, you know, success, but I do think that having the plan in place where we had a team of people that represented represented different parts of the business that helped speak into that, helped champion it, was super helpful. 
also at Magnolia while I was there, we transitioned the company from Google to Microsoft. And this was a situation where there was an excellent partnership and collaboration between myself, my team, and IT. And again, we built out a three, four month time frame of like when all of this different information was releasing so that the employees would know that on this specific day, this was when Microsoft was going to, you know, be rolled out. And even then, even with all of that planning in place, people were still just unhappy. They just hated that it was happening. (laughs) So it's like they were informed, but they were not excited. And sometimes I think that's, that can be the hard work of internal comms is sometimes you're going to have to communicate things that maybe you're, you're not going to really know how they land until it's out there. But that doesn't mean that you can't plan as much as possible. I'll get you out in on this question. You went in your last job from Google to Microsoft. Now you use Slack at Rev. Mm-hmm. It's a big part of the culture there. Can you point to ways that you might leverage the platform for information and engagement? A lot of businesses don't segment internal audiences for internal communications, but but Slack lets you create channels. Have you experimented at all around delivering discrete messaging by channel as you think about segmenting your staff and colleagues? Yeah. The way that Slack channels work at Rev, we are already tailoring messages to specific audiences like managers or specific teams. Rev uses Slack the way other places I've worked have used distribution lists. But since emailing is not exactly a thing within this culture, we do have to get pretty creative with the Slack channels and figuring out, okay, who needs to be in this group? What are we telling them? Who is the messenger? Because it's not always me. You know what I mean? But that's also why I'm really excited about bringing on our intranet because the platform that it's built on integrates with Slack and also Google Workspaces. And it has a similar channel type function. And I think that that's going to make it so much easier to streamline announcements and information, whether it's like, whether it's about the holiday party or open enrollment. Those are two things that even though we've all been through open enrollment, there's just always questions. We've all been to a company holiday party, but there's always the questions of what do I wear? Who can I bring? Like those kinds of things. So I'm excited about using Slack in the future more as a reminder function and having all of the long form like meaty content on our intranet. And I do hope that there's just the chance for us to segment even more because there's such an opportunity there. I'm joined today by Sarah Alves of Rev.com. Sarah, thank you so much for all your time and your wisdom today. Thank you.